welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. Our topic today, the corruption of the American dream, is dense and complex. We are going to go deep with this one, as too often our media and commentators simply brush the surfaces of the decline and corruption of the traditional American values held so important for 200 plus years. And more importantly, why are we going through this decline? I mean, all civilizations decline and eventually fall. It's always happened. Yet, while people are in the middle of this decline, doomsday predictions by false prophets and prognosticators on cable TV, uh, blowhards of all sorts, both religious and secular, they yell from the mountaintops, the end is near, the end is near. I don't want to go so extreme in this podcast, but the question is still relevant today. Have we corrupted to the point the country is irredeemable? And if so, how in the world did this happen? Why did this happen to a country so blessed with size and natural resources, diverse population and incredible ingenuity, resiliency, national pride? How is it that we are even discussing this topic today? Before we really begin, let's make sure you and I are on the same page of exactly what I'm even talking about when I say the American dream. What is it? Simply, simply, simplistically, simplistically, we could say it's the ideals of freedom, equality, and opportunity traditionally held to be available to pretty much every American. A key characteristic is the belief in this life of a personal happiness and material comfort. The American dream is an, is this aspirational belief in the United States that all individuals are entitled to the opportunity for success and upward social mobility through hard work. I guess you could say we began anchoring this underlying philosophy of the American dream all the way back to the founding documents of the United States, even back to 1776 and the Declaration of Independence, where we literally said in the preamble, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equally, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This actually sets the cornerstone upon which the American dream is built. We can also locate the spirit of the American dream in an absolutely fascinating and important writings of the American experience. And I'm thinking specifically of uh, Tocqueville's 1835, roughly wrote this book called Democracy in America, where he describes this charm of anticipated success, as he called it. This American exceptionalism, this faith, this belief that in America all is possible. It was becoming more and more embedded in the psyche, 
in the 1800s. But the specific phrase itself, however, you know, it emerged, oh, I suppose it was the early 20th century. And it was an individual, his name was Susan Lennox, wrote, characterizes fashion in home magazines as, as promising this rise of fortune and this universal American dream and hope. And then in 1916, an article in the Chicago Tribune speaks of fighting for the American idea, the American hope, the American dream. So it was emerging then, but the one who solidified the term that I'm speaking about today in the vernacular was a historian. James Treslow Adams was his name. And he cemented this concept of the American dream. And in the preface of a book he entitled The Epic of America, he wrote about this. He said, quote, The American dream, that dream of a land in which life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement, end quote. So the instant popularity of this new term coined the American dream. In many ways, it's interesting because we were heading into the Great Depression and and this phrase kind of encapsulated that vision that anyone, regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, could rise above whatever adverse circumstances they have through the dedic through dedication and hard work and ingenuity. And so it's such a, it strikes a very hopeful string. Even flash forward beyond that, you go to Martin Luther King Jr. in 1963, and he says, I have a dream in that speech. I have a dream speech. He alludes to the American dream. Of course, he was using it within the context of racial inequality and that everyone needed to participate equally. But again, that reiteration of the American dream, even in a very hard context, makes sense. So the American dream, hard work, honesty, integrity, grit, rising above, working together, achieving greatness of one nation, united in its desires for self-empowerment, self-fulfillment, and reaching the best self were all possible in America. Yet, here we are in 2020. And a recent poll of Americans, 62% in fact, believe the American dream is dead or at the very bare minimum is less attainable than 30 years ago. Faith in the system is shaken dramatically. Faith in, in the government overall is at all-time lows and faith in key institutions, the mainstream media propaganda machines, politicians, higher education, all the bureaucracies, uh, they're almost all at all-time lows. And if faith in all the institutions is crumbling before us, but maybe even as those institutions crumble, it's more scary that the trust of Americans with other Americans has been eroded rapidly as now actually the minority of both Democrats and Republicans trust the other to make wise choices in their political decisions. So with all of this going on, it only stands to reason that faith in the American dream would be violently shaken. So what caused it? Did Donald Trump cause it? Was it Joe Biden? 
the media being revealed as propaganda arms of the left or right, corruption of politicians, corporate greed maybe, foreign influence peddling, impacting decisions and in even elections, obscene levels of income inequality, Black Lives Matter or Antifa. What is it? It's probably a combination of any and all of these, but we want to go deeper than just finger-pointing, blame-gaming one thing or one person at one specific time. That's way too simplistic for very deep and profound questions, like the destruction of a country's prevailing ethos, the death of the American dream. So I want to go mythological and philosophical with you for a minute. If you will just humor me, there is something the wisest minds have known since, well, the articulation of ideas as human beings were first and ever recorded. And what is happening here, right now, in America, it's not new. It's not unique, nor is it special. It's just very painful for you and I and all the country, of course, because we're living through it right now. But let's get to the why of things. Why is the American dream corrupting and dying? Here are some things for your consideration. It was actually near the beginning of the book of the birth of tragedy, where Nietzsche, a philosopher from the mid-1800s, he tells this story tells an ancient story of King Midas from Greek mythology. Now, to me, King Midas, he's kind of like a buffoon figure. And other stories abound of this, how shall we say, oh, superficiality or a lack of intellect. As all of you, probably even more famously than the story I'm going to talk about, know of King Midas and the Midas touch. And in this myth, he learns a very hard way that... The moral of a story that money isn't everything after he's granted this ability that everything he touches turns to gold. So first he thinks it's the greatest gift of all time. He's touching statues. He's touching his palace. He's touching all kinds of things. It's turning to solid gold. and He's becoming the richest man in the history of the world. But then by accident, he touches his children and then he touches his wife and he's left completely alone, surrounded by an entire an entire kingdom full of gold and his ignorance is revealed and he feels terrible. And of course, moral of the story is money isn't everything. But anyway, that's not the point of this story except to tell you who King Midas was in general. So in this story of King Midas, it's titled The Wisdom of Selena's Story. He's King Midas is out hunting in the forest and he's searching for this individual. His name is Selenus and he's He's the companion of Dionysus. You could say he's actually the right-hand man of Dionysus. And Dionysus from Greek mythology, the god of wine, uh, the god of revelry, uh, the, the god of emotion. And so Midas is searching for this guy. And after many years, he actually manages to capture Salinas. And the main thing he wants to know is what is the best and most desirable thing for humankind? And Salinas, at first, he doesn't want to tell him anything. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Eventually, though, he's threatened of torture by the king. says, look, Salinas, you're going to tell me this meaning of life, this most desirable and best thing that mankind could ever hope for, or I'm just going to torture you and forever 
And so finally, Salinas relents and he bursts out with this contemptuous laugh. And he says this, quote, Oh, wretched ephemeral race. Why do you compel me to tell you what it would be most expedient for you not to hear? What is the best of all is utterly beyond your reach. Not to be born, not to be, to be nothing. But the second best thing for you is to die soon, end quote. Ouch. (laughs) Not the uplifting New Year's resolution story at all. Not something to help you achieve your goals, uh, to say the least, but it's important. See, Salinas revealed something deep, something profound, and a guaranteed part of being human. Right now in America, we are experiencing some of it. No matter what human institution is created, it is temporary. It is a facade of safety. It cannot last. No matter how hard one strives, wants, desires, or wishes something to get better or to change or live longer or whatever, the fact is humans do not have the capacity to control life. We just don't. And we never will. What we create, it will crumble. It will get corrupt. As humans, just at the individual level, we get old and and die. And, And also the institutions we create, they crumble and they die as well. It just is what it is. But even this doesn't go deep enough yet. As okay, many of us, we can accept on the surface we don't control our lives. We know this. When a friend or a family member dies or gets cancer or gets injured or, you know, any real serious life tragedy, we get this wisdom of Salinas. We understand that we don't have control of our destiny, but still it begs us to go just a little bit deeper. But why? Why do humans fail and have always failed after building wonderful, proud, growing, dynamic nations like America. Why do they fail? Why do they fail? The Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, the Mesopotamians, we could go on and on and on. They all fail. Why? I'm right now reading Dostoevsky and his Notes from the Underground. He is a 19th century Russian writer, uh, novelist, poet. You could almost in many ways call him a philosopher in in a lot of the ways and some of the things he writes about, but he speaks of some of the traits of human beings in general. And I think they translate well to helping us understand the why of our decline and the ethos of the American dream. So the first thing is, it's time to admit humans were not fully rational. We like to believe we're fully rational and moral creatures, but we're not. Nearly all religions have a story of the fall. In Christianity, we have Adam and Eve eating from the forbidden tree of life. They had everything. They had perfection. Yet still, yet still they wanted more. Eating that apple was not rational. Life couldn't have been easier. And they were even specifically told, do not eat from that tree. But yet, human beings, they surely didn't act rational. They ate of the tree and from that moment down the fall. Being rational and moral 
it does occur with people. And there are moments in the individual life and especially the birth and growth of a civilization where humans just get it right and things are beautiful and moral and just yet sadly the fact is humans over time can and do become irrational and immoral at times and those little chinks in the armor when we look at institutions they take that institution down the road to ultimate corruption and destruction sometimes these civilizations will will collapse very rapidly and quickly under the weight of dramatic corruption take venezuela for example sometimes though the moral fiber erodes over hundreds and hundreds of years like rome but humans are not fully rational nor are they fully moral and eventually that immorality and corruption is going to bring the system down as they put their own self-interests above the interests of the country or the society. Another thing, humans have this really queer trait. They are never satisfied and need to seek more no matter what. The United States of America has been showered with so many earthly blessings, it's hard to even count them all compared to, to many countries in the world. We're, we're just drowned right now in materialistic happiness. They're, so that most Americans are just soft as marshmallows. We have it so easy here. Economic prosperity. Never a shortage of food or water, clothes or shelter. The poor in America let's be honest, live like kings compared to most of the world. Going shopping for food in Venezuela, for example, a person is uncertain if even they can buy basics like bread on any given day. Being poor is never easy. I don't want to minimize that for anybody who's struggling right now. But there are degrees of poverty and despair that most Americans could never even fathom. Tens of millions of people across this entire world would die to live in this country. Ah, but Americans, Americans. Anxiety riddled because life is falling apart here. The continuation of the incredible progress and satisfaction, uh, it, it's just not enough in our modern world. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's sheer ingratitude, sheer spite. We seem to be playing this nasty little trick on ourselves, almost like a sadistic trick on, on ourselves that, oh no, we're, we're really, really in horrible, dire straits. It's not helped by the propaganda, mainstream media, news stories, and groups preaching things like whites hate blacks, women are subservient humans, the police are the enemy, the criminals are the victims, and somehow over the decades of progress, there actually wasn't ever really any progress. And now once again, we we all of a sudden hate homosexuals and lesbians again. And life is terrible and detestable. And everyone's a sexist, racist, misogynist. And, and it's just worse than it's ever been. We create this, oh my goodness, there's so much work to be done. We've never seen anything like this. And everything is all unacceptable mantra. And, and we create almost this self 
fulfilling prophecy of a, a perverse fatalistic mentality that all is bad. And when, in fact, Herculean steps have been taken, we're convincing ourselves that, oh, we're, we're not good, never were good, actually. And instead, a revolution of epic proportions is needed. The absurdity of this, this never satisfied mantra runs deep and a perpetual never satisfied characteristic of humans can be incredibly dangerous if it doesn't manifest itself properly. The drive to improve and not to be satisfied when properly applied is not a problem. But when it starts digging and creating false narratives in this this perversity of everything's falling apart at, at the seams, it can become incredibly dangerous. Humans were creative animals and were predestined to strive consciously for an object and to engage in creating or changing. That's incessant and that's eternal. And, you know, we're always looking to make new roads wherever they might lead, even if the direction happens to be over a cliff. But the reason why humans sometimes go off on tangents, no, no matter the stupid tangent, the, st the thought, it still occurs that no matter what the road, almost certainly, it's going to lead somewhere. And that the destination it leads to is less important than the process of making it. It's kind of a dangerous instinct in humans that we must keep moving forward even when necessary not necessarily it's a good place to go there is something fatalistic something perverse in the search for destruction this may be one of the most peculiar traits of people we know on the personal level and you may have a friend or a loved one or a family member who is constantly in a state of self sabotage the person who starts and stops things all the time ah new degree plan gets halfway through and quits leaving the person with a load of debt the person who dives into relationships head first and oh this is the one then does something stupid to sabotage it uh, the person who's always so excited to find the dream job and they love it for a few months and then they quit. Get in a fight, leave. Self-sabotage is real on the personal level and it is also real on the societal level. Maybe humans love chaos and destruction. There can be no disputing that humans do sometimes like chaos and they like destruction. And there does seem to be this perverse instinct this fear of attaining an objective and completing the task, building or, or, or even building a government. Who knows? Perhaps humans only love a government from a distance and by no means love it when they're in close quarters to it. Perhaps they only love building the government, but they don't necessarily want to live in it. And once it's built, they will leave it when it's completed. Only humans show this type of perversity with their civilizations. If we look at the animal kingdom, for example, we see ants. They build their nests. They have their home. They secure their food. And they will be completely content and happy and just doing the same thing and just be. You can look at so many animal species where that is once you get it, Whatever it is, they just are more 
They're completely content to stay there. Humans sadly lack this instinct. We often lack it in our personal lives to just be happy. And we lack it when we evaluate civilizations. They're just never satisfied, even with the successes that they reach. Of course, there are others, others in power in these civilizations, that simply to gain a point, score a political victory, shine the light on themselves, will literally contrive destruction and chaos and will contrive suffering of all sorts only to get their point, to gain their way, to get their power. They would literally sacrifice the good of the whole for their own personal power. There sadly, throughout recorded history, have been politicians, business people, leaders who would launch a curse upon the world just to obtain their own objective. Sure, there are humans with the propensity for the greatness, kindness, uh, sacrifice, and love, but let's not be naive here. The exact opposite is possible. Heinous people that seek chaos, darkness, curses for nothing more than their own personal gains. And finally, pride is a huge problem. There isn't a religious doctrine in history that doesn't warn people about the dangers of pride. The whole work of humankind really seems to consist in nothing but proving that they are so much more than a cog in the machine in our importance and the things that we can do to make great changes. As of late, there seems to be literally no problem on the planet that the federal government doesn't believe they can solve or at the very minimum be the primary source of the solution. The vanity of it all is just absurd. Whatever it is at any given time, and it may cost the country trillions and trillions of dollars and with lost freedom, but by God, the government will be the hero, the savior, the one to make it all better. Just like corporations tend to get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, governments by nature seek to acquire more power and more influence and more say-so in all they do. Since as governments get bigger, the level of intellect and talent of the said politicians tends to decrease as corruption goes up at the same time. Well, their pride may continue to increase exponentially even as the effectiveness of that government decreases. And this is a terrible recipe for disaster. Humans are no stranger to pride and arrogance and self-absorbed conceit on the personal level. We all know that person loaded with it. And this same characteristic is no stranger to governments over time. This erodes freedom. It erodes the ability of the individual to achieve the American dream. So in the end, why is the American dream eroding? Why is, does it seem our government is sliding deeper and deeper into corruption and loss? Well, people in general, they are not rational or moral, at least consistently, at least at a high enough percentage to prevent the corruption of the American dream. Number two, humans are never 
satisfied. They always want more, always want more. It's never enough. And this insatiable appetite for more things enhances that corruptibility of society. Number three, humans are prone to self-sabotage. There is something ingrained in people, this sadistic, nihilistic idea that we will sabotage ourselves. Number four, pride has led millions down the road to destruction and it has led countless civilizations down that road too as the layers of government higher and higher up get more and more corrupt. We see these destroyers manifest themselves on the individual level and also on the collective societal level. It can be argued that the outward manifestations of political corruption foreign influences, Antifa, racial strife and riots, they can be traced back in one way, shape, or form to these embedded four characteristics that I've been talking about in this podcast. They seem to be inherent in people. And if they're inherent in people, it transfers into the systems of government that we create. It seems as humans, we just cannot escape these tendencies, not fully, not consistently enough to ensure great, powerful, dynamic civilizations that are formed from a stone of quality and freedom will not eventually fall. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the American dream is not dead. But maybe just going through a cancer treatment where recovery is possible. Civilizations do this sometimes. Sometimes they rise to greatness, they fall dramatically, but somehow they figure out a way to dust themselves off, to redeem themselves, and to climb back up and recover. It is possible, not forever, as no civilization can say that they have done that, lasted since the beginning of human recorded history, but you and I and even the world could, if there was a will to do so, Try to beat back the tendency towards ignorance and moral decay. We could fight against this insatiable desire for more and more and more. And we could learn to be satisfied and we could not allow ourselves to self-sabotage our progress. And we could really truly take progress steps in racial relations and in, in how we treat each other and getting rid of corruption. There are steps that we could take that we don't sabotage ourselves. On, on both the personal level and, and even on our societal level. And finally, we could become aggressive trying to kill the beast of pride, consciously trying to be more humble and more open-minded. All of this could be done, but will it be done? Once I delivered a speech at a graduation and I talked about the masses of people who coulda, woulda, shoulda got a college degree only if, and then fill in the blanks for that excuse. So the American dream, it's been knocked down, but it hasn't been knocked out, not just yet. I don't have the answer of whether it will or will not recover. Anybody who says they already have the answer, they're a liar. Educated guesses can be made, but only time is going to tell. See, the same characteristics that end up collapsing governments are the same characteristics at play in all of our lives because institutions in the ethos of a country like the American dream, they're, they're ultimately, they're formed by the people. People, individuals create them. People occupy positions in these governments and people 
don't live in the theoretical perfection of a document or a law. They live in the real world. And the real world, as devised and envisioned by humans, is inherently flawed. Thus, the systems are flawed, and they will eventually fail and collapse if we don't pay attention to them. In their wake, new systems emerge as new checks and balances. Sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse, but whatever the replacement is, well, it's it will also eventually fail and fall. Nothing is permanent, as Salinas revealed to Midas. Yet, what is there to do? I, for one, don't want to do nothing, so the best I can do is live as best I can to contribute the best I can in all facets of life to fostering a good and positive life that enhances the American dream. And if as the individual pushes back against the corruption, then maybe real, true, and honest reform can happen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value. This one went fairly deep. Mythological, philosophical, psychological, the American dream, an amazing ethos, yet one in decline. But not yet dead. We can all do our very best to keep it alive, as it seems to be a concept with the right perspective worth keeping. Remember, I generally publish new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, so if you click like or follow, you'll be alerted when new episodes come available. Until the next episode, I hope you have a wonderful week.